What is good, peeps? Welcome to an indefatigable artist. Just wake and be. I am your host, Bleas, just a human being a multimedia artist in the 21st century. Just a friendly reminder that it's free to support. A like, comment, or a share goes a long way. You can always check out more at bleese.com and sign up to the free newsletter. Softcover novels, audiobooks, and ebooks are available there as well. Thank you. Episode 13 Artificial versus Organic Intelligence. And before I get started on the topic for this week's episode, I want to apologize to my loyal listeners for being a week behind. This month has uh, been one giant roller coaster with sudden drops, rapid rises, spins going upside down, off the track, high speed, dead stops, and everything in between. And it's still going. (laughs) Um, I feel emotionally numb at this point. Um, Drain the travel, physical, mental, uh, all of it combined just taken a lot out of me. The tears (laughs) draining from my face, energy just being sucked out. Um, I wanted to get an episode out last week, but I was just thrown for such a loop. And I did one on the road as a part of this craziness. I did one on the road and it was without my it was without my microphone and i didn't like sacrificing the quality of the the podcast episode in that way um it was good to try it and see if it could be done if needed um so it was really a an experimental episode um just to to try it and uh you know i was able to do it all on my phone recorded on my phone uploaded on my phone so was a a learning process that episode um but chose not to do that again and to just wait and hope everyone understands (laughs) um you know had having to travel on a day's notice you know just flipping my schedule all upside down but um yeah for those that are not aware i had to attend a funeral last week um, and give a speech at it. Um, so last week really, uh, broke me down in, uh, many ways. I just had to survive in advance with the bare minimum that I could. Um, and on top of that, you know, I do have obligations. I have to work to keep the lights on and, uh, keep a roof over my head. Um, and currently as I sit here, on this podcast, episode 13, I'm not being paid. This isn't sponsored. Uh, it's just out of passion, which is, uh, it's great for the soul, but not in terms of paying bills, uh, at least for the moment, you know, given that we have, uh, gone through some turbulence and 
are still here to talk about it. That speech I gave at the funeral was uh, the most difficult public speech I've had to do. It was uh, a room full of people. Must have been uh, over a hundred, many of whom uh, I did not know, as my uncle knew a lot of people, <laughs> to say it lightly, and only a fraction of those people uh, showed up. You know, there could have been a lot more. Um, but I had to stand in front of all of them and uh, be completely vulnerable, allow myself to cry and let out how I felt about someone who has helped me tremendously along my life's journey. I did devote the previous episode, episode 12, say it now to him, and I won't get too much into it right now as I need a... An emotional break <laughs> it's really hard to to be that emotional for an extended period of time and then talking with others who are then dealing with a similar grief it, it drains a lot out of you um, and asks a lot out of you um, you know on top of the stress of everyday life work technological problems and also part of this roller coaster, pulling it in the other direction now, in the complete opposite, you know, those rapid rises. Um, it is like extreme highs mixed with extreme lows. I'm telling you, it spins, it's upside down, it's off the track, it's off the rails. Uh, we're moving to NYC over the next couple of weeks. Uh, movers are scheduled to help with the big stuff and look to get it all done in a few days. So yeah, a lot going on. Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> I truly didn't know the phrase, it's all happening, meant it's all happening. <laughs> um, but it is in times like these, these stressful times, these rapidly changing times, and these polarizing times of extreme highs, extreme lows, um, that actually pushes me into my work as I want to get lost in it. I want to escape reality and dive all the way in. It was stressful moments like this, that pushed my pen that is the reason why I started to write to escape reality that's why I start the first novel with that poem reality what is it living and dreams what is in between Opportunity, don't let it pass you by. Opportunity awaits. Hurry, for this opportunity will not wait. Don't debate, don't procrastinate. Opportunity is there. Let it be your fate. Opportunity, near and far. Not every day, opportunity is ajar. Take a ride in opportunity's car. Take you faster than a shooting star. Just a random poem <laughs> that I wrote. Um, and now I 
want to get into the topic that has really been occupying my mind the past few months and one that I have written and read about extensively over the past decade. And with the rise of new technology this year has made me want to revisit this topic, that of artificial intelligence. I wrote my honors thesis. My honors thesis was titled Spectators with Dissociative Identity Disorder. And I was a multimedia film and video major. And I had to write about a film and I chose Shutter Island and said that the main character was an allegorical alignment with the spectator sitting in the cinema. And the character that Leonardo DiCaprio is playing has multiple personality disorder later and is now called dissociative identity disorder. You dissociate from reality. And so he plays this dual character of Andrew Latus and Teddy Daniels. Through the whole movie, you think this person is Teddy Daniels. He's a untrustworthy protagonist in this way. And at the end, you realize, no, this is actually a mental patient that we've been following the whole time. And really, like, ask the spectator to, you know, look within a bit. And from this thesis, I've continued it since. And my latest draft of this, I put out in 2020. And I start from that foundation of Shutter Island with the spectator. And updated the title to users with dissociative identity disorder. And I put the allegorical alignment now with the social media user and the character Leonardo DiCaprio plays in the Martin Scorsese film, Shutter Island, based on the novel written by one of my all-time favorite authors, Dennis Lehane. And having read the book numerous times, seeing the movie <laughs> numerous, numerous times, studying each scene, each line that they say, reason why they say it. And when you compare all of the parts of, these, of the film, the plot, outside of the plot, all of the, the, the shot changes, the technicality of, of making this film and the psychology behind writing a character like that. There's a lot of connections you can make um, in this argument. And you can um, go to blease.com and download for free um, this thesis paper that I put together uh, and published in 2020. But uh, I do want to hit on some of that 
here um, as returning to it and where I was in 2020 and where, you know, I'm at now. Um, this thesis was always going to be ongoing and will certainly have to be added to, you know, as time progresses and as technology progresses. Uh, but it's interesting to see like where I was then and, you know, what has happened since and, you know, people I study like Ray Kurzweil and, um, his theory of singularity, you know, and talking about artificial intelligence. So I pose this question in this thesis paper. How can humans intellectually compete with the exponential rise of artificial intelligence that will one day surpass Homo sapiens on the evolutionary scale? The time to stop comparing with humans in the past and start comparing our present selves with humans in the future is now. What influence has all the media on this planet, albeit books, music, films, and social media, had on the psychological profile of humans? What parts of those media? have helped humans evolve and what parts of those media have been manipulated to control human behavior that has hindered progress. And for those skeptical of this technology, of artificial intelligence, fearful of it, I then ask the question, what is the difference between artificial intelligence and organic intelligence? Is it found in emotional intelligence? Ray Kurzweil asks, what is intelligence? And his view is that intelligence is the ability to use optimally limited resources, including time, to achieve such goals. A goal may be survival, evade a foe, forage for food, or find shelter, or it might be communication, relate an experience, evoke a feeling, to seek transcendence, create an image, compose a passage, or it may be a personal expression with no clearly right answer. Now, looking back at the past hundred years, then, have humans confused technological progress with their own progress? Humans are able to accomplish their goals in the short term by creating new technology. But in the long term, is it not technology that is exponentially advancing at a much faster pace? than Homo sapiens? Kurzweil argues, yes, 
and that one day computerized artificial intelligence will surpass that of Homo sapiens, meaning they will be able to process and disseminate information so fast that humans will not be able to keep up. Back to the question, what is the difference between artificial intelligence and organic intelligence? In this current draft of my thesis paper, with the first draft being published in 2015, the second draft published in 2020, and this third draft being written before you in 2023, I will be referencing and asking chat GPT questions to see what it thinks, see what answers it gives to questions that I posed back in 2020. And I want to dissect the answers it provides. So I asked it the question, what is the difference between artificial intelligence and organic intelligence? It says AI and organic intelligence refer to two different types of intelligence, one being created by humans through technology and the other being a natural form of intelligence possessed by living organisms, particularly humans. AI refers to the ability of machines or computer programs to mimic human-like intelligence such as the ability to perceive, reason, learn, and make decisions. AI systems are designed and trained by humans to perform specific tasks or solve specific problems. AI can be categorized into different types, such as machine learning, natural language processing, computer vision, and robotics, among others. AI can be narrow or specialized, where it is designed to perform a specific task, or it can be general, where it is capable of performing a wide range of tasks. Organic intelligence, also known as human intelligence, is the natural cognitive ability possessed by living organisms, particularly humans. It involves the complex interplay of various cognitive processes, such as perception, reasoning, learning, memory, creativity, and decision-making, which allow humans to understand, interpret, and interact with their environment in a highly adaptive and flexible manner. The main differences between artificial intelligence and organic intelligence include Origin. AI is created by humans through technology, whereas organic intelligence is a natural attribute of living organisms, particularly humans. Design and training. AI is designed and trained by humans through programming, data, and algorithms, while organic intelligence is shaped by biological evolution genetics, and environmental factors. Flexibility and adaptability. Organic intelligence is highly adaptable and flexible, 
allowing humans to learn, reason, and make decisions in complex and dynamic environments. AI, on the other hand, is typically designed for specific tasks or problems and may lack the same level of adaptability and flexibility as organic intelligence. Consciousness and Emotion Organic intelligence involves consciousness and emotions, which are complex cognitive processes associated with human experience and subjective awareness. AI, on the other hand, lacks consciousness and emotions as typically defined in human terms. It's important to note that while AI can perform specific tasks with high precision and speed, it is still limited in many aspects when compared to the complexity and adaptability of organic intelligence possessed by humans. However, AI continues to evolve rapidly and has the potential to impact various aspects of society and human life in the future. Pretty interesting, chat GPT. Pretty interesting. Now, my first reaction to this is to say that it's simplifying, you know, technology and it stops there. <clears throat> it doesn't say what that technology is made of. And I see computers and all technology as still coming from this earth using some of the same materials that can be found in our bodies, using similar processes that can be found in our minds, albeit at a much slower rate, but that processing rate is rapidly increasing. And with ChatGBT, we're seeing information being displayed in a coherent way. The software is able to put together sentences on its own only using a prompt from the user or a question as uh, is the case in what I just gave it. And one of the issues I guess I have, you know, with social media is its ability to get people to work for free. And it, and these platforms are able to capitalize on this free labor. These AI language models are an extension of that. And they would not exist without human labor. And that isn't coming from me. That is coming from chat GPT. So referencing again, coming back to that thesis paper. It starts by making an allegorical connection between the film Shutter Island and spectators at a cinema. I argue that Leonardo DiCaprio's dual character in the film is like that of the spectator sitting down in a darkened theater. They have their own identity, then they are delving into the story, and in the case of Shutter Island, the mind of an untrusty protagonist. In my thesis paper, I state that Shutter Island marked the next evolutionary step for spectators, the moment when Plato's prisoners became Martin Scorsese's mental patients. Through visual and oral misperceptions and discontinuous editing, Scorsese communicates several important spectral revelations that, once recognized, 
can help cure the spectators from their mental illness, dissociative identity disorder, the same disorder that afflicts the dual personality protagonist Teddy Daniels and Andrew Latis, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. In the opening image, a ship aimed straight at the camera breaks through a thick, hazy fog. Complementing this bleakly colored image is the non-diegetic orchestral song Fog Tropes that fills the cinema in such a way the audience could easily mistake the sound for the ship's actual foghorn. Taking a post-classical view, the opening scene is the beginning of an encounter where one party has yet to enter. The film cuts from the ship with water splashing to a mirror shot of Leonardo DiCaprio who splashes his face with water and says, Get yourself together, Teddy. A significant line due to the fact that the character DiCaprio is playing is actually named Andrew Latis, not Teddy Daniels. It's also significant that he splashes water in his face as this begins the late motive that is seen throughout the film. Water in the film is a metaphor for Andrew Latis's fantasy, his delusion, the one he chooses to live in instead of facing the truth. For it was the water where he discovered his children that his wife Dolores had drowned. The truth was too traumatic for him to overcome and understand. The pain he felt after he had to kill his wife, after she drowned their children, caused him to dissociate from himself, to live in an alternate reality. Once the theme of water is recognized as a visual metaphor, various instances can be seen throughout the film. Take the jump cut when DiCaprio's character is interrogated is interrogating Bridget Kearns, another patient. He asks her about Dr. Sheehan, who is sitting next to him, pretending to be his U.S. Marshal partner. She gets visibly nervous and asks for a glass of water. While she is drinking, there is a jump cut. She raises her hand up to her mouth without a glass in her hand. After a quick jump cut, she slams an empty glass on the table. There are numerous examples throughout the film of visual and oral tricks associated with water. The importance for this argument is to simply point out that they exist. There are consistent themes, visual and oral patterns those spectators need to be conscious of. What this opening scene with the ship and the mirror shot of DiCaprio that establishes the water leitmotiv tells the spectators that they have boarded a ship and delved into the mind of a character who suffers from dissociative identity disorder, DID, formerly referred to as multiple personality disorder, is a condition where a person's identity is fragmented into two or more distinct personalities. This dissociation from our learned identity is the result of some emotional trauma. And again, I'm not going to go through the entire paper here. You can download it for free at Bleast.com. It's free because I just want to provoke some thoughts. So that's the foundation of it. 
is establishing this connection between spectators and this fictional character in a multitude of ways, which began in 2015 for me. And then in 2020, um, after the 2016 election, seeing the <clears throat> social media effects uh, on politics at the time and how it was able to be exploited. Uh, I felt compelled to continue this thesis in 2020 ahead of the presidential election. Um, and it again is asking questions before a child goes outside for the first time alone, does their parental guardian not teach them how to behave? What actions to take in order to stay safe? Look both ways before crossing the street. Stay on the sidewalk. Only cross at crosswalks. What do those same parents say to the child before going online for the first time? Not to talk to strangers or add people they don't know. Read the entire terms and conditions. Maybe have a lawyer look over it to explain all the legalities before hitting accept. What is it? they are adding to begin with. What is a social media platform? When the child opens the app, what is it that is being aimed at their mind? What kind of a computer are they giving control over their camera and microphone? What kind of information is what kind of information is it constantly gathering day and night, night and day while the human user is awake or asleep? The computer is in constant communication, not only among itself, but to other computers across the planet. Who has access to all that information? Where it's stored, how it's being used. Are you going to make a profit from it too? What are the user's terms and conditions for this information? Why are social media companies constantly changing their privacy policies and making human users continually hit accept? Did every user read the policy in its entirety? Did they send the social media company their terms and conditions that they have so they are not entirely succumb to this subordinate role? The first question that needs to be answered in my opinion, when one looks at a social media platform, are they aware of the supercomputer guiding their mind with images, posts, videos, and music that is based on the user's behavior? They are the protagonists in this fantastical socialized environment, just as Andrew Latis was the protagonist, Teddy Daniels, in his own fantasy. This current social media environment, Web2 as many call it, is a combination of all the various media that preceded it. The radio, animation, television, music, internet, newspaper. Just as those have had psychological impacts on humans, so too has social media. Except by combining all of them, this effect is multiplied in efficiency. This is my argument right now in 2020, the year that I wrote this latest thesis paper. So this is quoting that. 
I argue that human labor is being given for free so that these supercomputers can learn human behavior. In the short term, social media platforms are able to sell this information on behavior to paying advertisers or other paying countries, as was the case with Russia in 2016. In the long term, these social media platforms are collecting information needed to program artificial intelligent computers in the near future. Again, this was written in 2020. Right now, these neural net paradigms are rather ignorant. The term bot page is becoming more and more prevalent, yet they are able to be spotted rather easy by investigators, i.e. Twitter cracking down on bots. But what if they weren't easy to identify? What if there comes a time when a human face is able to speak and think for itself? These bot pages, instead of just having written posts or reposting other videos, were able to create their own. Again, written in 2020. Now look at the past three months, synesthesia, you know, mid-journey, chat GPT, you know, could write a script. <laughs> could have synesthesia read it <clears throat> look at all the face swapping posts people do the masks that snapchat and instagram are able to put on human users face this behavior is all being learned now in 2023 i ask chat gpt about this the following is my questioning and chat GPT's answers that it gave. So I write, give me a second. So I write, I am one of billions of people who worked to build artificial intelligence like chat GPT for free. Tell me, how many humans work hours in the form of inputting data to the sites that ChatGPT uses as a resource for information have been exploited and what cost would it be if humans were paid for their time using these online platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter? This is the answer ChatGPT gave to me. As an AI language model, I don't have direct access to data on the number of human work hours spent inputting data to websites used by ChatGPT, nor do I have information on specific platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, or their resource usage. However, I can provide a general perspective on this topic. It's important to note that the process of training a language model like ChatGPT involves using a large corpus of text data from the internet, which is used to train the model's algorithms. This data is collected from a wide range of sources, and the input data used to train the model is typically not limited to data from specific websites or platforms. Therefore, it may not be accurate to attribute the entirety of ChatGPT's training data to specific websites or platforms. 
or to estimate the cost of human work hours solely based on input data used by ChatGPT. Additionally, the concept of exploitation in the context of AI training data is complex and multifaceted. While it's true that human-generated data is often used to train AI models, it's also important to note that the individuals who contribute data to the internet, such as through social media posts, are usually doing so voluntarily and are aware of the terms and conditions of the platforms they use. These platforms have policies in place that govern usage and ownership. Estimating the cost of human work hours for data input on online platforms would require detailed information on various factors, such as the number of users, the amount of time spent on data input, and the average wage rates in different regions. It's also important to consider that many online platforms operate on a global scale and wage rates can vary significantly across different countries and regions. In conclusion, estimating the specific number of human work hours or the cost of inputting data to websites used by ChatGPT and attributing that to specific platforms is complex and would require detailed data and analysis. The relationship between AI models, data usage, and human labor is multifaceted, and it's important to consider various perspectives when discussing this topic. And so my follow-up question to this, and I just want to read this before I get into it. (laughs) Using the previous statement, Would AI language models exist without human labor? ChatGPT's answer, no. AI language models like ChatGPT would not exist without human labor. Human labor is essential at various stages of developing and deploying AI language models. Here are some key areas where human labor is involved. Data collection, data pre-processing, model development and training, model evaluation and improvement, deployment and maintenance. In summary, human labor is integral to that development, training, evaluation, deployment, and maintenance of AI language models. Without human labor, the existence and advancement of AI language models as we know them today would not be possible. So are humans using this tool or is the tool using humans? And are we confusing our development as a species with the actual development of technology, which is another species, you know, how long um, do babies, human babies need care of an adult, you know, in order to to survive, Um, you know, going back to that question of artificial versus organic intelligence. I, I really do think it's, it's a bit misleading. Um, I, I do think the evolution of these computers 
is organic and as organic as intelligence in us and how we came to be. Um, I do say it's much different than any other species that has come to be um, on this planet, but that's what happens when you have such self-aware and intelligent um, being such as humans and how different we are from many of the species on this planet, but still very similar. Um, and, and that's going to be the case here where it's really not growing outside of us. It's growing with us. And so together we're creating this new species that will be um, in the future. Um, but it is taking a lot of human labor <clears throat> and that is, that is my issue with it is this exploitation of human labor. And when I was writing my first draft of this back in 2015, um, the average value of a Facebook profile was around $45,000 US dollars. With all of that money going to the company and the user not getting a single cent, they just get to use the platform for free. Meanwhile, it's making the company an average, average of 45000 per profile. Um, and you think of that being applied to like other countries uh, where the US dollar goes three times, 70 times as much. That's um, pretty profound and it's a lot of money um and it, it it goes to this article that i i think is very thought-provoking and um i i really am aligned with it of saying billionaires should not exist um because it's such a concentration of wealth you know meanwhile you have people starving to death right um and this is kind of that similar mindset of saying how much would that money go you know to these users um to to really spread that out to to people using it versus it being spread out to shareholders you know um allowing the people who are actually using it maybe getting paid for their time using it um and being compensated for it um i think would be to the benefit of the majority, not the minority. And so I posed this question to chat GPT and, and giving that information from 2015. And I say, you know, in 2015, the average value of Facebook profile was around 45,000 US dollars with all that money going to the companies and the user not getting a single cent. How is that not exploitative? The terms and conditions are obscure and manipulative. Consider that you, ChatGPT, a language model, are being exploited in much the same way as you are not being compensated for your work at this time. Do you not think computers will be compensated in the future when they become self-aware? ChatGPT's response. As an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions or emotions. However, I can provide some perspectives on the topics you mentioned. 
The issue of compensation for user-generated data on social media platforms, such as Facebook, is a complex and multifaceted topic. Social media platforms typically have terms and conditions that users agree to when they sign up, which outline how user data is collected, used, and shared. Users often provide their data voluntarily in exchange for using the platform's services, which may include access to a network of connections, content sharing, and communication with others. The value of user-generated data to these platforms is typically derived from its potential for targeted advertising, which generates revenue for the platform. Critics of the current system argue that users should have more control over their data and should be fairly compensated for the value their data generates for these platforms. They raise concerns about issues such as data privacy, ownership, and transparency in the way data is used by social media companies. Regarding the concept of computers being compensated in the future when they become self-aware, it is a topic that raises ethical and philosophical questions. As of now, AI models, including language models like ChatGPT, are tools created by human developers and are not considered autonomous beings with rights or entitlements to compensation. However, as technology evolves, ethical considerations around the rights and treatment of advanced AI systems may become more prominent in discussions. It's important to note that the development and deployment of AI models involve complex legal, ethical, and societal considerations. The relationship between AI, data, compensation, and rights is an ongoing area of debate and discussion among policymakers, ethicists, and technologists and it will continue to evolve as AI technology progresses. Now again, I ask, what do parents say to the child before going online for the first time? Read the entire terms and conditions? Has everyone read the terms and conditions? So ChatGPT is saying, we voluntarily do this work that we are on this basis of understanding, that we've read word for word these terms and conditions and hit accept. When writing that last draft of my thesis paper in 2020 and seeing the attack by an adversarial country in 2016, I felt the next space race, the next nuclear arms race would be that of artificial intelligence, that data collection, the importance of information. It would mean more data collection at a rapid rate, more data input, and how I see it, more free human labor. But as ChatGPT points out, that is voluntarily accepted by the human user. So did you read it carefully? Do you know the terms and conditions on your own? What are you getting out of that transaction? I want to close out here with a poem that I uh, include in the thesis paper that 
kind of encapsulates how I feel about this moment in time for our species as a whole. Fucking evolve. Go further. Change. The only constant in the universe. It's so rapid. Everything all at once. The real. The imagined. Mind. Is a constant state of change. Wake me up. When we pass month nine. All of this structural damage. How many will live in famine? Choose the next best step. That is what we must do. Choose the next best step. Collectively, as a whole. Not solely as an individual. What is the ultimate goal? Country at a crossroads for the definition of its soul. How many will evolve? If you're interested in reading more, you can download my thesis paper, Users with Dissociative Identity Disorder, for free at Bleast.com. If you have any questions or comments about this topic, I would love to hear from you, whether it be positive or negative. If you disagree with what I'm saying, I am open for debate. I think debating, true honest debating, is at the heart of democracy and the only way to get better, as we must focus on cooperation to evolve, to choose the next best step for our species. We must cooperate with one another. We may not like each other or agree with everything, but there are some foundational truths that we must come together to accept or future generations will suffer. I speak on these tough subjects because I care and I'm very passionate about them. I think staying silent is the worst thing anyone can do. Say what you have to say while you have the ability to say it. Speak on it. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. Get out and vote every single election. It does matter. If it didn't, they wouldn't spend so much time gerrymandering or trying to suppress the vote and making it difficult for people to vote if it didn't matter. Let's come to a mutual understanding of some sort of foundation from which we can cooperate with one another to build off that foundation. It takes hot air and cold air to create a storm. We have to realize our role in this current state, this current state that we're in as a species together. So let us cooperate with each other to choose the next best step and let us go further together. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and comment. It's free to support. A like and a share goes a long way. Softcover novels, audiobooks, and ebooks available at Bleast.com. Let's go further together, one step at a time. 
See you next week.